0: That's why I love your articles, it kind of it kind of takes us out of the focus on what's going on and the more of the focus on growing in our own faith.
1: Right, so true.
0: All right, well, I will start recording and then uh, we'll get this show on the road. Does that work for you?
1: Sounds great.
0: Okay. Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Father Ed Broom. Ed's been on the show several times. He is a oblate of the Virgin Mary, an author of Total Consecration Through the Mysteries of the Rosary, and From Humdrum to Holy, and he blogs regularly at Father Broom's blog. And Father, thanks for joining us today.
1: Great to be with you, Dick and Jeff. Great to be with you.
0: So, I... I Yeah, I saw your recent article in the Catholic Exchange and uh, the five ways to seek grace in your life, and we were just talking before we came on, with all the craziness in the world, sometimes we lose track. It's about us growing in holiness and the Lord giving us everything we need to do it. Sometimes we spend too much time focused on things we can't control. Isn't that right?
1: Right. I think we have to focus upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. St. Ignatius and the Spiritual Exercises once we enter into the public life of Christ, says that we should beg for the grace of intimate knowledge of Jesus, that we love him more ardently and we follow him more closely. We have to fix our gaze on, I would say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and then we're going to be on the right path.
0: Well, you know, it sounds simple, and it really is, but if we don't keep focused on it, it's easy to lose track, and I think that's why... We were talking about, I just really enjoy your articles because it does always bring us back to our faith, our love for Jesus, and following him and and using the gifts and tools that he's given us to grow in that faith. And sometimes we we spend too much time worried about other people and what they're saying and doing when we can lose track of it ourselves.
1: Absolutely. One of the biblical passages I like best that exemplifies what you're saying is um, when you have the apostles in the boat, Jesus is walking on the water and they believe it's a ghost and Jesus says, do not be afraid. And Peter, Peter's there and Jesus says, rather Peter first says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out and walk and Jesus says, come. Peter is actually walking on the water. But what happens is, I imagine it this way, this big wave is about to engulf him and the wind is strongly against him, and he lifts up his gaze and he starts to sink. And then Jesus says, man a little faith in Peter cries out, Lord, save me. Lord stretches out his hand and grabs onto the hand of Peter. Then he's able to walk. And I think Deacon Jeff were, um, as you mentioned, we're going through a tough time in the world, in the family, in academics, in the church. We're going through a tough time. Um, in a certain sense, we're going through a real tempest or a storm. But like Peter, we have to make sure that we don't lift up our, our gaze from Christ, but focus on him. The problem is that we focus more on the problem than on the problem solver. And that prob- problem solver is Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life.
0: Well, I think that is such a great reminder. And, you know, this recent article, The Five Ways to See Grace in Your Life, I thought, you know, maybe just as a reminder, because you hear the word grace and sanctifying grace, we hear those we hear those terms and those those phrases used, but maybe remind people what is grace and why is it so important?
1: Yeah, grace is very, very important. And you have the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which explains what grace is. And it's a. We receive grace once we are baptized. We receive what is called sanctifying grace. And the sanctifying grace is actually that which makes us pleasing to God. And once we're baptized, unless we fall into the state of mortal sin, then we have the sanctifying grace which is in our souls. And the catechetical definition, even from the Baltimore Catechism, is sanctifying grace is that which makes us pleasing to God. Then there are other dimensions of grace. You have what is called actual graces, which God sends us um, inspirations, uh, which would com- consist of uh, certain lights in our intellect and certain movements within our heart which fill us with peace and joy. Those are actual graces and We're really bombarded by actual grace during the course of our day, but we have to be open to them. Then there's other types of um, manifestations of grace, and that would be sacramental grace. And each one of the sacraments uh, manifests a different type of uh, sacramental grace. For example, the Eucharist, which is the greatest of all sacraments, that nourishes our soul. Confession, that heals our soul. Holy orders gives me the ability to follow Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, and lead the flock safely to heaven. Then there's what is um, is called prevenient grace. That's a technical theological term, which means before I do any good action, it's preceded by the grace that God sends to me. And I simply have to say yes to that grace that God sends to me. Then there is um, what is called, on one occasion we see St. Paul, he's been tempted, and um, St. Paul asked God to relieve him, that thorn in his flesh, and God says, my my grace is sufficient for you. So we always have sufficient grace to avoid sin if we collaborate with the grace that God gives to us. And um, lastly, and I love this. I think you and your listeners will love this. St. Alphonse Liguori, uh, who founded the Redemptorists, and he gives us the beautiful book, The Glories of Mary. He says, the grace of all graces is to die in the state of grace. And we should ask, we should beg the full of grace. And that's Mary, for the grace of all graces to die in the state of grace. And if we die in the state of grace, then we'll go to heaven. We might have to go to purgatory for some time, but if we die in the state of sanctifying grace, we'll be saved for all eternity. So, Deacon Jeff, kind of in a nutshell, that's kind of a mini course on, on the theology of grace.
0: Well, and I think it's just a helpful reminder because we hear it. Um, the other thing to remind ourselves of, and, you know, when you read this article and, and really understand what grace is, you need to realize it's not magic, right? The, the Lord gives it to us, but we have to we have to embrace it, right? And you mentioned if we're in a state of mortal sin, then we can't receive those graces until we've gone to confession. So it is something that we have to actively participate in. It's not magic, and it just takes us where wherever it wants to go. We have to participate fully in this, don't
1: we? Absolutely. It's... Uh... Deacon Jeff it's uh, it's um, like a two-way street um, is that God always gives the grace, but we have to correspond to it. And I think there are two, two theological errors in the history of the church. One would be quietism or passivism and that means that basically God does everything. The other side of the coin, would be what um, the Pope actually mentions in one of his encyclicals. And it's basically we can save ourselves by our own action. And um, we can say simply by mere strength and force and power and goodwill uh, we we can save ourselves, and uh, that's not true. We we can't let God do it all. We have to do our part. But we should never presume that we can save ourselves uh, by ourselves. So Fulton, Fulton Sheen once said the first one of the first principles in the spiritual life is that there is a God and it's not you. And that's sometimes called the the, the Messiah complex. Oh, so the word I was looking for. Is Pelagianism? That was the word that kind of skipped my mind. Pelagianism right. is the word um, in the, during the time of Saint Dominic. Is that uh, if you if you work harder that you can end up by saving yourself, and that's totally wrong because otherwise, why did why did Christ come? The purpose of Christ coming is He came to save us, and actually, the word Jesus means Savior. He came to save us of our sins. So those those are the two two extremes to avoid like Quakerism or quietism. The other one would be would be pelagianism, technical ter- terms.
0: I yeah, I think that is a good reminder because it's it's kind of a both and, right? The God God gives us these graces and how we live our lives matter here in Matthew 17, right? We'll be rewarded based on our conduct. So we understand that How we live matters, but it's through God's grace that we're able to do the things that follow him and and turn that grace into the fruit that he's looking for. And, you know, you talk about the five ways to grow in grace, and maybe we can kind of go through those just to remind people that, you know, these are things we need to be very aware of in our lives and to see, am I I doing these things and, and really with my focus on the Lord? And your first one is prayer. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit.
1: Yes, uh, I mentioned five different ways that we can augment grace in our lives. And um, the first time, the first thing I mentioned is, is prayer. And I wrote, uh, wrote a, a relatively short paragraph, and this is what I wrote. Every time we pray with humility of heart, purity of intention, and a desire to please God, we immediately grow in grace. For that reason, we should p- treasure prayer our prayer life and the prayer life of others as the highest and greatest of all realities. Parents who teach their children to pray are the best of parents. Parents who are slothful and negligent in the education of their children in the arena of prayer will have to give an account on the day of their judgment. Because of the numerous distractions of daily life, how easy it is for parents who must be the first educators of their children to be negligent and sloppy in teaching their children to pray. May God have mercy on us. So, that's um, that's the paragraph that he actually wrote on that. And obviously, if we read and meditate upon that kind of succinct but very substantial uh, point, we're going to do all we possibly can to grow in our prayer life. St. Saint, Saint Augustine puts it this way. He who prays well, lives well. He who lives well, dies well. He who dies well, all is well. I really love that. He who prays well, lives well. Uh, He who lives well, dies well. He who dies well, all is well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is is a good reminder. You know, you start off this article, not to hop around, but I, I forgot to mention it because. You start that it, it really catches your attention. You, you talk about Saint Catherine of Siena, right? Who was granted this vision of a soul that was imbued with sanctifying grace, and how it, it made her fall to her knees. The beauty that she had seen, and it's through our prayer life and through these other uh, activities of, of grace that that we can, you know, feel what she felt and try to live our lives, try to reached
1: that state that she witnessed, right? Yes, and um, not to forget, because we're talking also to a lot of parents with their children and their teenagers, St. Catherine of Siena was one of 25 children. St. Catherine of Siena was the second woman declared as a doctor of the church with St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, St. Catherine of Siena did have a very very deep contemplative life, but that spilled over into a very active life in which she worked very hard to save souls. But that's always been, for many years, one of my one of my favorites, that she was given this vision of a soul in the state of grace, and she, she was just captivated by the beauty of grace. So, so we should um, strive to grow in this interior beauty of the soul, and that will happen once we're imbued by grace, and we try to augment grace by utilizing these these five means that i've suggested
0: well and yeah Saint cap what what you know there's all saints are great but what a great model she is for all of us because not only did she live that contempt of life but that active life right to the point of going to going to france and telling the pope to get his get his uh you know what in gear and get back to rome like he should she was You know, that that grace gave her this great ability to have courage and wisdom and follow exactly what the Lord desired of her.
1: And she also, if you read through her life, um, she had a a unique gift that she was um, uneducated most of her life where she couldn't read at the very end of her life she was able to read. And God spoke to her, and you can read this in what is called the Dialogues, which God the Father actually spoke to her. And as St. Faustina was the secretary of Jesus and the divine mercy, so St. Catherine of Siena was actually the secretary of God the Father. So in this world in which you have a lot of father wombs, the concept of the absent father or the dropout dad, so prevalent in the world today, Catherine of Siena, by reading her dialogues, we can understand really... Who is the person of God the Father, and how we're supposed to entrust our lives to his love and care?
0: Well, it is a great reminder, and the saints can help lead us to what we're talking about today in, the, in this life. So we talked about prayer. You also talk about charity, right, slash love, which you know, one of those theological virtues that we receive at our baptism, so obviously it must be pretty important, but that's that's the second of your five ways to grow in grace, right?
1: Yes, uh, after prayer I mentioned charity, and um, to kind of give a succinct summary, I um, took from Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46, where you have a list of most of what are called the corporal works of mercy, and that would be: I was hungry and you gave me to eat; I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink; I was a foreigner and you welcomed me; I was naked and you clothed me; I was sick and in prison, you came to visit me. So Jesus says, "Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, then that you do to me." So every time we we manifest uh, goodwill, love, concern charity toward anyone, anyone whatsoever. We're really doing that to Christ. And by that, we are actually growing in the state of grace. Another parallel to Matthew chapter 25 would be Luke chapter 10. We have the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan is Christ, but also we're called to be the Good Samaritan to help all those in all those in in our daily walk we find are in need, and every time we help them, once again, we're helping Christ, and the grace of God will be growing in our in our souls.
0: Well, and you know it is it, it, you know it's something we should be able to contemplate and really spend time, and when we are in prayer, we can kind of meditate. On these five ways and really go deeper into the theological virtue of love slash charity and you remind us in, in number three that look we're gonna fall down things are gonna happen but that's why we have the gift of reconciliation right this being able to to provide a penance or when we do fall down so that we can be receptive to the grace because we're open to it and we're free from that stain of mortal sin right?
1: yes there's both the uh, the virtue of penance, in which we're called to deny ourselves. So Jesus says, when anyone who wants to be my follower must renounce himself, take up his cross and follow me. But also, we should have frequent recourse to the sacrament of confession, also known as reconciliation, sacrament of God's mercy, sacrament of God's forgiveness. Now the sacrament of penance related to the topic of grace can do one of two things. If we've had the misfortune of falling into mortal sin, thereby losing the state of sanctifying grace, we should never give in to despair. But rather, we should trust God all the more. And we should return to God through sacrament of confession. And um, make a good confession. There are good five... Practical steps. Examination of conscience. Um, sorrow for sin. Firm purpose of amendment. Confess your sins. Uh, number and type to the priest. You have to mention the number of mortal sins and the type of sin we committed. And then finally, carry out the penance. By doing that, we're restored to God's grace. But also, there's a good book written by Benedict Bauer about 70 years ago. And in the book is... Uh, speaks about the importance of what's called uh, confession of devotion. By that he means that we can still go to confession, confess our venial sins. And by doing that, that will be, little by little, it will be expunging the vestiges or the bad effects we have that come as a result of sin. And it also augments sanctifying grace and gives us the grace to resist future temptations and the attacks of the devil. Uh, St. Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion who seeks who he can devour. And we're called to resist him by being solid in our faith. So, um penance is part and parcel of our spiritual life, that of self-denial. But also, we should get in the habit of going to confession. I would say we should try to go at least once a month. Uh, and that will... Serve as preventive medicine as well as curative medicine.
0: Yeah, another great reminder because sometimes we can get lulled into, "Well, I didn't really do anything this month. I've been pretty good." And there are those venial sins, and they slowly build up and lead us on the path to mortal sin if we're not careful. Uh, your fourth one, you talk about, you know, is you know, the greatest action in the whole universe, right? We talk, you talk about the Eucharist.
1: Absolutely, Deacon. Uh, of all the actions we can do this side of heaven, the greatest is for us to go to Mass and to participate fully, actively, and consciously in the words of Sacrosanctum Concilium in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and to receive the Most Holy Eucharist with faith, devotion, and love. And of all the things that I'm mentioning and how to, um, how to augment and to fortify grace within us, There's no greater action in the world than to receive the Most Holy Eucharist. That's, in a certain sense, I use the word, uh, it's the way, constantly, to skyrocket us in grace. In other words, if we really want to shoot high, skyrocket in grace, it's through receiving the Eucharist. And You probably remember a deacon when you were studying to become a deacon. You you studied what is called the theology of the sacraments and there's a theological principle called the dispositive grace. And the dispositive grace means that uh, if you receive the Eucharist, it's always God. But the better the disposition, the more abundant will be the graces. So it's a good idea not only to go to Mass, but we should try to prepare ourselves for this greatest of all actions. The better the preparation, the more copious and abundant the grace is.
0: Well, it, you know, that starts with, you know, that our prayer life can lead us to that, it's to provide us a great reverence. And we live in a world where, unfortunately, when they even call Catholics, most people don't even believe in the true presence. And so when they deny this true presence and receive Jesus those graces that he wants to give
1: us aren't going to be able to be received. That's right. That's why I really believe that your your uh, your radio program is so good because not only, not only is your program is biblical, but what you're going through is very catechetical. And today I don't think that we should take for granted that uh, if people really know their faith well. Sometimes, Deacon, I think about the book of Jonah, uh, the four chapters, the last verse, Is And these people, they Mm -hmm. don't know their left hand from their right hand. Sometimes they feel we haven't really changed a lot in many, many years. That's why being able to teach and preach through the radio is such an efficacious tool to evangelize and catechize people.
0: Well, and I I agree, right? Hopefully it reminds people when they read articles like yours of just the, the beauty and the blessing that the Lord wants to bestow on us and all we have to do... Is be willing and able and cleansed to be able to receive them. And finally, you know, talking about uh, you know receiving graces, who better to follow an example than Our Lady in praying the Hail Mary? In
1: exactly, Mary is known. She is the full of grace, and uh, she loves that prayer, the um the Hail Mary. It's interesting. I was listening to a commentary on the Blessed Mother and said that the Archangel Gabriel when He appears to Mary, does not say Mary, but he actually calls her the full of grace. And basically identifying the essence of who Mary was, the full of grace. So if we find ourselves floundering in our spiritual life, being tempted, even maybe falling into sin, we can always turn to Mary, the full of grace, and she can help us to return to God with all of our hearts, and to help us to trust in the infinite mercy of God, and as uh, St. Paul says in Romans 5, where, where sin abounds, the, the mercy and the grace of God abounds all the more. So, you know, before long, um, we'll be entering into the, into the month of October, and the month of the October is the month of the Holy Rosary. We should try to pray the rosary every day, but even more so once we enter into this month dedicated to the Most Holy Rosary. I tell the people sometimes in my homilies, you know know what's better than praying a rosary? And they're looking at me, and I say, praying two rosaries. So the more, the better.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, if you can do a whole decade of grocery and then receive Jesus in the Eucharist you've pretty much done exactly <laughs> what, what we're talking about today, right?
1: Yes yes. Uh, I find as an oblate of the Virgin Mary, one of my greatest uh, joys is I, I, I love to um, write on Mary, I've already written a couple of books on Mary, I love to preach Mary, I love to pray the rosary with the people I love to bring children to love Mary through the rosary. In other words, um, uh, St. Alphonse, rather um, the beautiful Hail Holy Queen we say, Mary is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So if we have this great recourse to Mary, the, the full of grace, she's going to help us to live in the state of grace, to grow in grace, and to have the grace of all graces, to die in the state of grace, and consequently to make it to heaven, you know? Deacon, that's why we're here. Didn't we learn that in the catechism? We're here to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life, so as to be happy with Him forever in Heaven. That's a perennial truth that sometimes we forget. Uh,
0: To our own detriment, you are absolutely right. And Father, I knew this time always goes so fast. Uh, How can people follow you and and find your blog?
1: Well, they can go uh, to www.fatherbrun.com. Uh, dot com, and I have my website and my website you have videos, YouTubes you have podcasts and then you have my articles and I have it both in Spanish and English because I'm here in LA so www.fatherbroom.com and you can just delve into my, my videos the YouTubes and then you got the podcast the audio version and then you got also many many of my articles that I've written over the past few years
0: well, Father, really, really appreciate it. Love, love your work, and it, and it always and it brings me back down to earth when I read your articles to remind me, you know, don't get too excited about what's going on. Focus on, focus on salvation, right, and, and following the Lord. So I, I can't thank you enough uh, for all the work you're doing.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. I always uh, enjoy talking with you. The, the time goes by very quickly because we're talking about the most important thing, which is God and the salvation of our souls.
0: Absolutely right. And know that you're in my daily prayers and uh you know, I, I, I hope your your work continues to convert souls to Christ because boy we sure need it.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you.
0: All right, God bless. Bye. Thank you. God bless.
1: Bye. Bye.